Welcome to the We Talk Careers podcast brought to you by Women in ETFs. This is Christine Delano, and I'm thrilled you've joined me. If you're pursuing excellence in your own career or intrigued by the hustle required for a career on Wall Street, this podcast is for you. We've made all this advice accessible. Grab your own Thrive Guide with a workbook on leadership skills at christinedelano.com. So put aside that massive to-do list and let's get inspired. In this episode, we are talking about mutual mentoring with Elisa and Jillian. Elisa Moudi is the Executive Vice President of Growth Solutions at LPL Financial. Previously, she served as Head of Strategic Partnerships at Wisdom Tree. Elisa has been married for 12 years, and they have two sons and a dog named Muggsy. Jillian Del Signor is the Head of Strategic Growth and Solutions for FLS Networks and sits on the board of Women in ETFs. She lives with her husband and son in Chicago. I'm thrilled to not only have Jillian back on the show, but welcome Elisa to join us. Happy to have you both. Great to be here. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you so much, Christine. It's awesome to be back and to be here with Elisa. Yes, this is. I'm I'm excited for our conversation today. So you guys both in Chicago today, not on the road? Yes. Yes. Gloomy. No sun, but we're, we're both here. Excellent. So today we are talking about mutual mentoring, and you both have hard-won advice on how it can be practically worked out. But before we get there, take us on a journey. Alisa, what is your unique mentoring path, and how has it looked for the two of you? It's such an interesting and ironic journey that we've been on together. Um, You know, Jillian and I first met probably 2008, 2009, just through a mutual acquaintance. But we found out very quickly that we had some really interesting similarities. We were both female wholesalers in a male-dominated world selling ETFs within Chicago. And there was actually like a cool little network of us. There were two or three of us women that were doing this. And so we clicked right away and were able to really bond over just the common challenges and how do you um, really drive business and really just sharing strategies around how to build your business here in Chicago. And calling on the same clients, really, right? It was so funny. (laughs) We were truly like running in parallel around our territories and selling complementary, in some cases, ETFs and and strategizing around clients. And, And then around the same time, actually both took on leadership roles. Mm-hmm. Um, I moved on to my role at JP Morgan running ETF distribution as Elisa did the same at, at Wisdom Tree. So we seem to have these inflection points happen at, at that same time. And that head of sales role was a really interesting mentorship area for us because we were both kind of first time leaders and really trying to establish ourselves figure out comp plans, figure out employee challenges, and and really navigating all of the challenges of being a new leader and taking on a large sales team together. So we had a lot of common. (laughs) She had moved to New York at that point, right? So Elisa had moved to New York and I was traveling to New York constantly for JP Morgan. And so we used to meet up at Cafe Centro (laughs) for breakfast in Grand Central and just talk. I mean, how are you handling this home office? How are you handling this comp plan? So it actually worked really well. And then and you take this part of the story when you ultimately moved back. Yeah. So I moved back to Chicago. So we got to continue our, you know, our friendship and mentorship within Chicago. And then we both had some events that just kind of happened in our career that led us to new opportunities and, and new 
roles at different firms. And so navigating that together and really having the bond to, to bounce ideas off of each other around, I'm talking to this firm or what about this opportunity? Uh, it was godsend for me just to have Jillian as I navigated that. And again, so interesting that we both did that at the same time. Yeah. And we're absolutely there to support each other and have, you know, important and not always easy, right? Conversations about decisions that we were going to have to make um, and the impact they were going to have on us and kind of pushing each other to get outside our comfort zones in some sense, because we both departed in our next roles from what we had traditionally been doing. So I'm absolutely intrigued by this idea of meeting each other where you are absolutely competitors, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And getting in to see advisors, getting to home offices, you know, having pitches that work, all those kind of things. I can't imagine the first time you met each other, you'd be willing to sort of like spill it all and be like, hey, this has worked or, you know, I sort of messed up here and, you know, all of that, right? So do you see sort of a trajectory of trust through this relationship? And did you reveal more simultaneously? Or did you notice one being a little bit more revelationary than the other? It's such a good question. I mean, I don't know about you, Jillian, but I felt extremely comfortable right off the bat with you. Um, I don't think we were sharing trade secrets, but we were (laughs) talking specifically about certain clients. And did you know this client's thinking about this? I mean, I think our view is that the ETF world is, is abundant, right? Like there's so many asset classes and the firm I was at was good at some things that the firm Jillian was at was good at other things. And so it felt like there was enough business to go around. But I think the the trust piece is, a, is important. And just like building trust anywhere, it's all about consistency, being honest, right? Keeping your commitments. And I think what really um, benefited our relationship is just how we became kind of cheerleaders for each other. And I think at some point we were even able to start to say, hey, advisor, maybe you should meet Jillian if you're looking to fill this sleeve of your portfolio. Yeah, I think that was such a huge part of it because I think the, well, yes, we were competitors. It's, I don't know, maybe this is just women. I I didn't think about (laughs) Elisa that way. It was more that we were complementary, and perhaps if she worked at a firm that had exactly the same strategies, it might've felt a little different, but, but we were, we were able to support each other and ultimately build our respective businesses. And I think when it came to the head of sales, we were facing such similar challenges and different than we did when we were in the field and working for different types of organizations, but ultimately facing the same types of challenges, whether it be with personnel or leaders even above us or uh, the home offices, like I mentioned, just different things that sort of were naturally coming up in those roles that allowed us to really lean on each other even harder than we did when we were um, sort of individual contributors. And did you see a cadence through this journey of like who reached out to who more or how long you might go between speaking to each other? Looking back on it now, do you see some differences in the timing that you both brought to it? Or do you feel like it was pretty natural the way it progressed? It felt like it flowed to me, at least. I don't know about you. I feel like when I would come to New York, you know, it was always a natural opportunity or if she was coming back to Chicago. So when we lived in different cities, this was prior to 2020. So we weren't as comfortable or familiar with virtual meetings, right? It's funny as that sounds now. (laughs) It was more so, hey, I'm coming into New York or she was coming back and there was a natural opportunity to talk or industry conferences for that matter. But it sort of took on its own flow. And I know I personally nurtured it that way. And I know we'll probably spend some time on 
networking and things like that as we go through the course of this conversation today. But I think you have to really nurture and treat these relationships precious. And that's the way that I approached it. Yeah, I would agree. It's it's a natural flow. We spent a lot of time together at that head of sales and whether it was, you know, our monthly breakfast or just a quick text around, hey, I'm running into this. How do you guys handle it? Mm-hmm. Um, there was just so many synergies at that point. And and now the flow is is really fun because we're we're both kind of in, in different roles, mm-hmm. navigating through that. And so we are very intentional around reaching out, making sure that we're up to speed on what everybody's doing and and just keeping that flow going. And I think that's such a great word with being intentional. I think we use it a lot on this show because to be successful, intention is a big part of that. Mm -hmm. And especially when you get into different roles where that idea of bouncing very quickly off very similar challenges or celebrations becomes less, right? So to be intentional is important. I I definitely want to circle back to that. I think we've done a good job in the conversation so far of giving sort of a a connotative feel for what is mutual mentoring. But Jillian, do you want to help us define mutual mentoring in a way that sort of helps our listeners really grasp it? Yeah, I think, you know, when we talk about the topic of, of mentorship, which I think is one that we're all really passionate about and have seen the impact, I know I personally have been very impacted by mentors in my career and sponsors, right? Those that really do put themselves out on behalf of your career, right? Sponsorship and mentorship. But, you know, we had this happen in Chicago, right? This natural evolution of mine and Elisa's relationship where we just found ourselves at very similar points in our career and very naturally were able to uncover this fact that we could truly mentor each other through these periods in our careers. And, you know, obviously we're in personal situations. We're having very similar trajectories as well with young children and, 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 and those things. But I think it's this understanding that there are going to be people in your life who sit at the same juncture of their career that you do. And you may not naturally think they're going to mentor me. You think naturally mentorship is someone further along in their career, mentoring someone more junior. But I actually have found that I'm getting even more impact out of these peer-to-peer mentorships um, as I try to navigate and they try to navigate these same scenarios and really helping support one another as you go through that journey. Yes. And so, Elisa, do you see this as as an enhancement to having a maybe someone in, in the organization or in your environment that is somewhere ahead of you in your career? Do you see different things that you would talk to Jillian about than talk to somebody who, you know, has a position that you're that you're looking for? Absolutely. I mean, mentors that are further ahead of you in your career are certainly important and you should try to find as many of those as you can. But there's just certain things, especially with someone in your organization that you may not talk to them about. And so, you know, the benefits that I found in this kind of mutual peer mentorship are really the differences in opinions, right? Or validating your opinions or helping you see something that's happening, a trend unfolding, maybe in a different way. And, you know, Jillian and I have spent a lot of time just talking about the industry, where it's going, what are the right corners to be in across all of financial services and asset management and wealth management. Um, and having these big and broad conversations, I think are, are really, really impactful. And then to me, it's of course wonderful to have a mentor above you in your career to pull you up and, and help kind of give you the confidence and put you out there. 
but I would just say don't underestimate how impactful your peers can be with that same role in terms of networking, in terms of giving you the confidence boost sometimes you need to take that next step. Absolutely. I think I reflect back, at least on the conversation we had about, you know, the corners of the industry, right? And we've always talked, do we want to stay in asset management? Do we want to go to wealth management? Where's this industry going, right? As we're trying to think thoughtfully about our own career paths. And when, when Elisa got her current opportunity, you know, reminding her, hey, remember, this is something that you, that you, we talked about, right? You thought about making this move into this part of the industry. And so being able to discuss those trends and then remind one another about the conversations we had had when it comes to that critical decision point, when you have to make a decision one way or another on that, on that path. I saw you as, you know, an accountability partner during that time period to remind me and give me the confidence to make that move. So I think it's just so critical um, to have these people in your life. And I really want to pause on what you said about the trends. You both mentioned it, but Jillian, maybe you can help us dig a little bit deeper on that. I feel like this is a huge linchpin for certain people who are successful in this ecosystem or even other careers and trajectories is being able to sort of read where the industry, whatever industry that might be, where is it going? And really hard to do in a vacuum, really hard to do in your own echo chamber of like, well, that sounds great. And I'm going to keep telling myself that this is where the industry is going. So talk to me a little bit about that idea of being able to read an industry, understand its trends, and maybe give us something specific that you two have talked about that can help our listeners sort of understand how to talk about trends. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think what we would do, because we've, you know, given where our respective seats were, right, whether it was being a salesperson calling on registered investment advisors, ETF strategists, and sort of seeing the, those business models moving into the head of sales and having engagement with the wealth management home offices and sort of seeing the industry all while sitting within the ETF ecosystem, right? And watching it evolve over the course of time, new entrants coming in at a, at a very furied pace and just trying to identify not just what it was that, that we wanted to do, but where was it that the industry was going that was going to present the opportunity to us to really leverage our skills, our expertise and sort of what that next evolution of the industry was going to look like. And so we spent a lot of time, given our collective exposure to the wealth management industry, right? whether that's the you know, LPL and some of the other home offices, RIAs themselves individually, you know, what was it that we wanted to do with our own careers that potentially overlapped and intersected with that part of the business? We were seeing a shift towards opportunity within wealth management. And so talked about it and taught me long, 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 long time ago before either of us decided to make the move to move out of traditional asset management organizations because we felt like we were seeing a trend um, and were able to not necessarily have the exact same opinions or exact same vantage points, but share those things with each other to respectively further educate the other on what we were seeing. And then when we had opportunities present themselves, to leave while challenging decisions, we were able to push and, and support one another in making those decisions and remind ourselves of those conversations we had had about the trends and our interest in them. I appreciate that. So Elisa, has Jillian ever said anything to you that has challenged you that maybe isn't what you wanted to hear, but what you needed to hear, or maybe vice versa, things that you've said to her? Does anything like that come to mind? 
Well, I think because we've had so many of these broader conversations over time, it's not as much challenging as it is pushing, right? Um, it's hard to make a move after you were at a firm for 14 years, but pushing on the fact that this new opportunity that I took at LPL aligned with what we've been talking about and that it was what I believed in terms of where the industry was going and why it made sense. I think that was a conversation we definitely had. And then also just pushing on, you know, again, being that cheerleader. And, and I talk about this so often. I think a lot of us have kind of imposter syndrome from time to time. And having that peer know that you can do this and just helping you get over that hump uh, was something that, that Jillian was very helpful with. I love that word push because it's something you really can't do to yourself, right? right. <laughs> you really need to have. And a push is a good thing and can be a great thing for your career if it's someone you trust. Mm -hmm. And if sometimes feels like a shove, if it's happening from <laughs> someone you don't, right? So, so, you know, really recognizing that as, you know, this is pushing me into a place that, especially over time, your mentor or co-mentor starts to really understand who you are, what your strengths are, impossible to push someone without doing that. Otherwise, you know, like I said, I think it's a shove. Yeah. So Jillian, do you have personal professional boundaries with Elisa or <laughs> do you find that you sort of have crossed into them over the course of this becoming not just a career relationship, but a friendship as well? Yeah, we definitely crossed over. I consider Elisa <laughs> one of my dearest friends as well as industry colleagues. Um, I wouldn't even ever refer to you that way. <laughs> She's just a, a, a friend. I think given, and I think this will happen often potentially with the mutual mentorship, where you find yourself at similar phases of your career, it's probably likely you're going to find yourself in similar phases of your personal life. And so for me, while I come a couple of years later than Elisa to motherhood, I was able to watch her be the mother in a high power job of young boys and take away a lot from that and understand potentially what I was about to enter into and then eventually did enter into. Um, and we do still spend a ton of time talking about the challenges and the amazing highs of being a mother. And again, the challenges of doing that while in um, very meaningful careers that mean a lot to us and sort of the, the, the mom guilt and the challenges with travel, um, with the, the just joy we get from being with, with our kids and sort of those things that come together. And we've actually developed even a, a little bit of a broader group of Chicago women who find ourselves in the same industry also as young mothers and have made it a habit to get together on a regular basis to talk about all these things. And so we've turned our professional relationships into really important personal relationships that support each other in a different way. Yeah. And I think that goes back to your flow question, right? It's, yeah. it's not hard to schedule time with a friend. Um, it's, it's, you know, I care a lot about these women and I, I want to see what they're up to and I want to make sure we're, we're in the loop. So there is this moment where it kind of crosses over into a personal friendship and that changes the dynamic of formal versus informal and trying to set a quarterly meeting. It's just part of your natural flow of life because they are your friends. And I think that's so empowering for some of our younger listeners. At least it would be for me if if I was sort of starting out because I think I had a very different sense starting in this industry. I remember myself 
really trying to separate my career from my personal life, you know, not letting my personal life at that point, I had kids when I sort of entered into this industry. I was always trying to sort of shield them from the stress of the work. And I was trying to shield the work from distractions that may come. And it was so difficult to feel like I had masks that I needed to wear in different areas. And it was such a relief when I had people around me, they were actually at LPL, which I think is just uh, (laughs) unique to this conversation, who showed me what it looked like to sort of step out in relationship and with trust and just with like mutual friendship. And we liked each other and wanted to spend time together. And I think I had to sort of reteach myself that it was okay to sort of mix these lines. And perhaps today, I'm hoping that more and more people see the value of expressing relationship like this. Well, absolutely. And I think COVID gave us a whole new window, right? A window into everyone's world. And now we're on Zoom calls and our children are walking in the background. So I think it's exciting for the younger generation because they're going to enter into the workforce having it be a more friendly environment to sharing your family and and your life with, with coworkers. Absolutely. Right. Humanized so many people, right? Mm-hmm. There was nothing we could do. We couldn't hide from it. And right. I think it's completely changed the way we interact professionally. Yeah. Yes. I mean, we weren't welcoming, well, let's hope we weren't welcoming many of our coworkers into our bedrooms or our living rooms or our dining rooms before this, right? Yeah. So, you know, this idea of glimpsing into people's lives changes the conversations we have. Mm-hmm. But I also want to take it to the listeners that are sitting out there basically looking around at the people that they're working with and being like, I'm just maybe not finding the people that I feel like I can connect with, that I want to build this mutual trust relationship with, that I feel like will be my co-mentoring team as we move forward. So can you give us some practical advice? Maybe, Elisa, take us through some ways to get started and maybe answer also the question is, is it too early to start sometimes or is it too late to start or is it okay to start wherever you're at? Well, I'll start with that. I think it's okay to start with wherever you're at, uh, no matter where you are in your career. I think it's absolutely okay to start looking for those people in your lives that are going to support you and make you better. So I think that's a, a really exciting thing. You know, when Jillian was talking about this group of women um, that we get together with once a quarter, I consider them almost my advisory board. um, And we have relationships similar to how Jillian and I do with many of these similar women. I met every single one of them through women in ETFs. And I just think that that's interesting, right? I have people in my life that are friends that I also consider maybe some advisory board people, but they're not in the industry. And so women in ETFs is just an amazing opportunity to meet like-minded people I would say our friendships accelerated when I joined the board of Women in ETF Chicago because you're really intimately working with these people more often. So that's one thing to think about. And then, you know, one of the things that I look back on my career, I was an internal wholesaler when I was like 23, right out of college. And it's so fascinating now to look at the people that I was internals with and see where they've all gone. They're all at different companies, they're all in different level roles. And it makes sense to stay in touch with the people that you're working with today because you never know how they're going to evolve their careers in the future. I could not agree with you more. And I would actually just underscore both of those points. 
um, I think about, I just keep picturing us at the dinner table, Elisa, recently, and obviously you and I have our journey, but the other two women at the table I met through we, and you have become dear, dear friends and very trusted members of my advisory board from a career perspective. And, you know, not just them, but, but women throughout the industry that I've had the pleasure and the opportunity to serve in leadership roles with and women I never would have crossed paths with otherwise far more senior than I, and even some more junior than I, but would not necessarily have naturally crossed paths. And so we, you get out of it what you put into it. And so whether it's the traditional mentorship program, just going to events, our breakfast at these conferences, engage yourself in the organization. I do not think you will regret it. um, And we'll probably get some really powerful relationships from it. And then like Elisa, I was also an internal salesperson and I was reflecting back on that. Just sort of looking at the way people have dispersed throughout the industry. I even go back to prior to being an internal and being kind of my first role out of college and, and just staying close with those individuals. And we have ways to do that, whether it be via LinkedIn, but but I think just owning your own network, right? And and making sure that when you leave a role or leave a firm or leave a stage of your career, staying close with those individuals because you never know where you're going to end up and, and paths may eventually cross. So I'm going to take the first answer to my next question and say that the answer is get involved with your local chapter of women in ETFs and find a virtual or in-person upcoming event and attend it and attend it with intention. So my question is, what is another practical step that our listeners can take this week to grow their network and perhaps find their mutual mentoring people? Elisa. Yes. No, that, that's a great question. Well, one, I would say you can sign up for the We Mentorship Program, which I know is open right now. And we're taking uh, anybody that wants to be part of that in the Chicago chapter. So that's a, a really exciting way. And then, you know, mentors come in in many shapes and sizes. And, you know, being open to LinkedIn, I think about how do I try to manage my network that might be a step removed from kind of my advisory board. And I read every post every day on LinkedIn. And it's my goal to find a few different posts of people that I haven't talked to in a while that I can reach back out to and say, loved your post. Here's something else I read that kind of talks about the same thing. It's it's been a while. Let's catch up. Let's figure out what you're working on and how I can help. And so really using LinkedIn as that tool to re-engage your network and frankly, start following people that that you're interested in what they're saying and find those ways to reach out and connect with them. Fantastic. I think that um, I've found that people seem to be very open to engaging on LinkedIn. I feel like sometimes it may feel less intrusive than an email. We get so many emails, but LinkedIn has tended to be a bit softer, if you will, in terms of that, that outreach. Yes. So do you have... Jillian, another sort of first step that someone can take this week to get more connected? Yeah. I mean, I would say in addition to LinkedIn and looking through your network there, I would say look around your own organization, right? Look at those that are sitting around you. Um, We both talked about our roles as internal salespeople. Um, You know, it's not just engaging with those individuals now as we've dispersed around the industry, but I have two very dear friends that I sat next to for a very long time, and we pushed each other. Um, so I think you can find these peer mentorships, mutual mentorships, wherever you are in your stage of your career. And sometimes they're quite literally sitting next to you. So I would potentially kind of 
pick your head up and look around and see if there are individuals on your own team that you might be able to lean on and support and build a level of trust with. I know Elisa and I come from different organizations, but it doesn't have to be the case. You may start off at the same organization and eventually veer off into different opportunities, but especially at a younger stage in your career, it might just be that person sitting next to you. Wonderful. So before we get to our final question, which is always the same, just a sentence or two from each of you. And Jillian, we'll start with you. What is one thing you wish you had known when you were first starting out about mentoring that you would love for our listeners to really take in and absorb? I wish I would have known much earlier on the importance of my network. And I mean, very, very early on in my career, I think I did a good job of it as I started to get into the ETF industry. But I think don't underestimate the importance of it, the power of it, and the need to nurture it. You know, I I think back, it was in 2020, um, my husband told me that I should try, this was when I was in the career transition, 50 coffees in 50 days. And this was virtually, it was the beginning of COVID. And so I, I took that to heart. And it's a great way to think about establishing a network and then keeping up a routine around it. So that was something that I I wish I would have started a bit younger in my career um, and continue to hold very precious to myself going forward. And that's that intentional, to use your word, outreach and nurturing of my network. And Jillian, I remember you mentioning those 50 coffees in 50 days. And I've actually used that advice with a number of people who have said, all right, so this or that, or the reasons why I can't do or, you know, whatever, especially through the pandemic. So kudos to your husband for challenging you with that, because I think it's it's a good one. And it's, it's not only intentional, but it also sets a pattern for an ongoing behavior, right? I'm sure you continue to do that because it became kind of the fabric of, of how you were reaching out to people. So love it. What about you, Elisa? Well, I love the routine one. I think that's a big one. But one of the things I wish that I had known earlier in my career is that people genuinely want to help. I think um, I had, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners as well, we feel a little bit bad about bothering someone or taking their time. And what I've learned as I've become a little bit more senior in this industry, that is literally my favorite thing to do is to sit down with somebody younger than me and hear about what they're working on and what their dreams are and and how I can help. And so people inherently want to help you. Don't be shy. Don't be embarrassed around asking for a few minutes of someone's time. Now you need to show up prepared and you need to have a thoughtful conversation and you should think about how you can add value back to that conversation, but don't be shy around asking for help and asking for people's time. Wonderful advice. And I just kind of want to double click just a bit on that be prepared and try to offer something back. I don't think that senior leaders are always looking for a quid pro quo, but what great advice to be prepared to try to offer something. And I think, Elisa, you were hitting on that too with LinkedIn with basically not only just commenting on a post of like, hey, that was great, but hey, this is also an article that might challenge your way of thinking or might enhance some of the things that you're saying. And offering those things are so valuable. And, you know, it doesn't matter what level you are in the organization, you can read and you can absorb and you can pass on this information. And I know a lot of leaders just appreciate the Mm -hmm. sifting that goes through with the massive amounts of information that are coming at us every day. So guys, we have made it to the end of this great conversation. Thank you both 
for being so willing to candidly share um, of your experience. Um, I know so many of our listeners are going to listen to this and say, I want to model a future co-mentoring relationship over what you guys have done. And I know each one of us has unique paths and not only with our own personalities, but with things like COVID happening and moves happening and all of that. But if we can distill the essence of this idea of a professional relationship that moves into trust, that moves into friendship, that moves into an intentional way of continuing to communicate and support each other, who doesn't want that? So I really appreciate you inspiring many of us to assure that we go out and intentionally build that. So thank you so much. So before I let you go, though, I would love to build our bookshelf of books that um, are just inspiring to our guests. So can each of you share, maybe starting with you, Elisa, on a book that you're reading or have recently read that you would recommend to our listeners? Sure. So I just finished the book, When Women Lead, What We Achieve and Why We Succeed and What We Can Learn. And that was written by Julia Borstein, who's a CNBC contributor. And it's near and dear to my heart for a few reasons. One, my dad actually found it and gave it to me for Christmas. So love that. Um, but secondly, you know, Julia has this unique exposure to interview all of these female CEOs around many different industries. And the book really talked about how once underestimated characteristics for things like vulnerability and gratitude to divergent thinking can actually be superpowers and are actually going to be some of the most important characteristics as we look to leaders over the next 10 to 20 years. And so I just thought it was a really cool story of, of showing some of these underappreciated characteristics through different CEOs and how it turned them into the, the super women that they are. Oh, fantastic. That sounds really interesting. And and I think for some of us like me and a few guests that we've had that have actually taken non-traditional routes into sort of high finance in Wall Street, the idea that there are superpowers that may result from or it may originate from being a weakness to others, I think is just fascinating. So thank you for that. I'm absolutely sure. going to go after that. And what about you, Jillian? Um, first of all, I'm going to be picking that book up. That sounds awesome. <laughs> and kudos to your dad. What a great, what a great gift. Um, so I guess in the, <laughs> in the spirit of books that were gifted to us, um, my husband actually, as a Christmas slash Valentine's gift, got us tickets to go see Michelle Obama when she was in Chicago. And as part of that, I got her new book, The Light We Carry. And I'm just starting to dig into it, but she really gets into overcoming and enduring in uncertain times. So essentially what we've all been doing um, for nearly the last three years, in particular, obviously we all have our own uncertain times, but most specifically what we've been dealing with um, in the last three years and she talks about a couple of different things, you know, during these uncertain times. One, this idea of giving yourself grace, discovering your own strengths. For me, something that, that really rung true, you know, with sort of how to deal with self-doubt or feeling overwhelmed. And, and something that I think is really in line with what we've been talking about today is this idea of how to build lasting relationships. And she talks about this idea of her kitchen table her friends that sit around her kitchen table. And for me, as we're sort of wrapping up our discussion today, really mirrored what we've talked about in some sense, this kitchen table group that you trust and that you welcome around in a very trusted sense and helping build those lasting relationships. So I've not yet finished it, but thus far I'm feeling pretty inspired. 
What a beautiful thing to picture Michelle Obama around a kitchen table, casually with. Because I don't even picture her with a kitchen table. I, I picture her with like these grand spaces, right? You know, know, the idea of this kitchen table is just it's such a such a homey and just comforting place. Absolutely, um, I love that. Well, thank you both for your time today. I am just I'm thrilled with this season that we have bringing on people that are willing to share um, their mentoring journeys and especially to you two for doing this. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having us. This is a lot of fun. Absolutely. Thank you, Christine and Elisa. This is a blast. And thank you, our listeners, for spending your time with us. I hope this is not just information, but you let it be transformational in how you think about your career. I'm rooting for you. To find out more about diversity, opportunity, and events in the exchange-traded fund industry, please visit womeninetfs.com. And while it lasts, be sure to grab your Thrive Guide on becoming the leader you want to be. You can download it at, with a K, christinedelano.com. If you haven't subscribed to We Talk Careers podcast, please make sure you do so. And if there's a topic you'd like us to tackle, let us know. All links are in the show notes. Thank you for listening.